Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. How many of y'all are thankful for the Holy Spirit? Man, he's good. He's good. Y'all enjoying this series? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, welcome to No Limits. Today, we're going to continue this series called Filled with the Holy Spirit. But before we get into that, I want to say thank you so much for being here today. You could have been anywhere else this morning. You chose to be here. Give your neighbor a high five and say you made a good choice. If you're joining us online, I want to say hey to you too. Thanks so much for being with us. It's great to hear the word of God over the internet. But if you have a chance to be with us next week in person, we would love for you to be here. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're passionate about making a difference. We want to help you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. And part of knowing God is knowing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also plays a role in you finding freedom. And you definitely can't live out your purpose without the Holy Spirit. Actually, you, can't, you really can't do it without Him. Anybody try to live out their purpose without the Holy Spirit? Fail, right? <laughs> Didn't get very far. A few weeks ago, I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to preach next? And he said, I need my people to know how to live filled with the Holy Spirit. They need to get filled and they need to stay filled because they can't accomplish what I need them to do without it. And that's why we're doing this series, because God needs you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say that. God needs me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He does. He does. Last week, I explained the nine gifts of the Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, gift of faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And it's important that we understand and operate in these gifts because those gifts are what enable us to lead people to Jesus. If Jesus needed spiritual gifts to reach people, then we need spiritual gifts to reach people. We've kind of convinced ourselves that we don't because we have all this other stuff going on, but ain't working out so well. The lights and the sound, they may put on a good show, but what's really being accomplished. If you have questions about these spiritual gifts, go ahead and go watch that message on our website at nolimits.church. After you watch the message, if you still have questions, I'd be glad to have a conversation with you. I hope you guys know that I would always be happy to have a conversation with you. If you disagree with something I say, you can come talk to me about it. I would love to work through it with you. you. I may find out that I'm wrong. And if that's the case, then I'll get up here and tell everybody else that I was wrong. And that's okay. It's a, this is a team effort, you know? We are the body of Christ, aren't we? We are the body of Christ. So you may remember three weeks ago when we kicked off this series, and I talked about how obedience to God is required to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not, not really a fun message, but one that we need to hear, right? The Holy Spirit can't hang out with sin. So if you keep allowing sin to stick around in your life, you're disqualified to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about your salvation. I always want to make sure this is clear. Salvation is a free gift by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, and he rose from the dead to bring you to new life. You believe in that, that's how you're saved. It's not tied to your behavior. Anybody thankful for that? But if you want the power of God to manifest in your life, if you want to see it happening in your life, if you want him to work through you, if you want the promises of God to be evident in your life, obedience to God is required. Amen. The best part is obedience is easy when it comes from the right place. 
Yeah, most of us go at it the wrong way. We're trying to put on our perfect performance for God. But he's not looking for your performance. He's looking for your obedience to come as a result of knowing who you are to him. And I had a few people come up after that message, and they were like, well, Cade, how do I find out who I am to God? Because I, I threw the ball to you. I'm like, I can't do this for you. You need to get in the Word and find out who you are. And, but I, I get it. The Bible's a pretty big book, right? It's a little intimidating. Maybe it feels like finding a needle in a haystack whenever I give you that kind of assignment. But listen to me. For these truths to settle into your heart, you're going to have to put in the effort to search them out. You're going to have to meditate on them. You're going to have to write them on your bathroom mirror. You're going to have to do what it takes to get them to settle in. But don't just stop there. Like I said, write them down. Meditate on them. Although I know I can't do this for you, I can give you a head start. Anybody want a head start? Yeah. All right. So today I'm actually going to have five different people come up here and share with you what they found out about who they are to God. These are people who have already put in that work to find the scripture write the scripture, put it on their mirror, meditate on it, and their testimony today is going to help you find out who you are to God. So we're going to have Chris Wills, Amy Mitchell, Mason, Darla Bell, and Carrie come up. So let's start with Chris Wills. Come on up, man. Everybody welcome him. It's all yours, my friend. All right. Good morning, everyone. I know there's a lot of us, so I guess I better just get going, huh? <laughs> well, if you don't know me, I'm Chris Wills, and I'm the small groups director here at No Limits. And the scripture that has most impacted me the, the most about who I am in Christ is actually more of a foundational scripture. This is what helped me to figure out who I was in Christ, because it is Romans 12, 1 through 2, okay? I'm going to start in Romans 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So living a holy life isn't like impossible. It isn't something that's only for the pastor. is isn't something that's only for uh, the church leadership. It is for every Christian. And is it only for you? It is also your reasonable service. You're not even going above and beyond, okay? <laughs> that is your reasonable service. And uh, what is funny about a living sacrifice, though, is we like to keep crawling off the altar. You know what I mean? So it's a daily, you have to make a decision daily to live your life for Christ. And that's, that's why I really love this scripture. But the very next one actually helps us to, uh, to do this, because Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we find out who we are in Christ by renewing our mind, okay? That's not, you can't just, like Cade was saying, you can't just read a scripture once. You have to meditate on it. You have to go back. You got to read it in context. I mean, read the whole chapter, then go back and pick up that scripture. That way you know why, you're, why it says what it does. And before I was, uh, but when this happens, though, you will automatically become that living sacrifice. It'll happen naturally. Because before I was living for God, let's just say that I knew God as my Savior, but I didn't know Him as Lord, okay? We quit going to church when I was about eight, and it was about when I was 23, I finally had this, this like overwhelming realization that if I believed in God, I knew that He created the heavens and the earth, I knew that everything that was in existence was because of Him, and I believed that He divinely inspired and wrote the Bible that is here on earth, then why have I not read it? It's the most important thing on the earth, period. Why have I not read it? I mean, God literally 
put himself in word form and stuck it on the earth for us to read. I was like, I better read this Bible. It's super important. So I started reading it every day. Like I wasn't going to church still. In fact, I was in a, on a, my third deployment in Iraq. So I had plenty of time to, to read it every time I went back to my room. But I would read the Bible all the time. I would stick my earbuds in. I would listen to it all throughout the day if I could. I would go to sleep with it in my ears. And it began to change me, like inside out. That's how I know the renewing of your mind will change you. You'll become that living sacrifice, and you will become to know who you are in Christ, because it's happened to me. You just have to saturate yourself in the Word, renewing your mind over and over and over. And that change happens, like naturally, because His thoughts become your thoughts when this happens, okay? And the very first scripture that God, like, actually quickened into my heart, like I just read it, and it just hit me so hard, was James 1.22. But I'm going to read James 1.21 first because it also gives it good context. James 1.21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Exact same thing, right? Be a living sacrifice, put away sin, and renew your mind. Read the word, get the implanted word into your heart, and it's able to save your soul. Let's think about that. So... James 1.22 goes on to say, though, this is the first one that he implanted in my heart, and it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Right? It's not enough just to read the Bible. So you got to get in, you got to renew your mind, but then you also got to go in and you got to do what the Bible says. And that's why Pastor Kate had to write a whole book on the woke church, because there's a whole group of Christians out there, the woke church that know the word, they can quote scripture, but they are not living what the word says. They are not doers of the word. They are trying to please man, and it's not going to work out, I'm telling you. (laughs) But I promise if you renew your mind, you get into the word, you read it, and you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those truths to you, you will begin to learn who you are in Christ. And the last thing I just want to say is also don't rely on like just People's teachings, and don't rely on like daily devotionals, get into the Word one-on-one with God, because that is where your relationship is going to develop. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Chris. Amy, you're up next. Everybody's scared. Did you hear that? It was kind of a flutter all through the... Um, Well, um, mine has come late in life because it wasn't until this past September that Cade kept saying, you know, he can harp on something and do it in such a gentle way that you're really okay with it. But he kept saying, nothing's going to change until you develop a quiet time. And let me tell you, nothing's going to change until you develop a quiet time. So that's what this came out of. But um, for me... I think that sometimes before you can really understand who you are in Christ, you have to tackle the things in your life that you know are a stumbling block, are a root in your life. You can't gloss over that with a few pretty scriptures. So if you know there's something with me, it was two. And guys, I'm sorry, Mason, if you guys can find a still picture of a waterfall, I would really appreciate that. I didn't tell them that ahead of time. Our sound and video people are awesome. Um, So to me, it was perfection. And what's the other one? Oh, my goodness. Uh, 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 uh. It's tough being on stage. I'll get to it in a second. But when you have that root where you have to, you think that your worth and everything is based on how you perform. 
And I was asking why God, why one time over something, not really expecting an answer. And he answered me. He said, you were raised to perform. I said, what? And he didn't chew his cud twice. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? He said it once. And let me tell you, he, he convinced me. I was raised to perform. So people who are perfectionistic or performance, that's the second one, based, have a really hard time with the way God works. He is not like people. Thank God, yes. And so I, there were a couple of scriptures, and the first one I love, I like a modern translation. Um, thank God we, we're allowed to be different. Psalm 36, 5 and 6 says, Lord, your constant love reaches the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to the skies. Your righteousness is towering like the mountains. Your justice is like the depths of the sea. And I said, God, I, I'm very visual. I don't get this constant love thing, this picture of a constant love. I didn't even get three words into it. He immediately showed me Niagara Falls in my mind. A huge waterfall. Well, to me, let's just pretend for a second that this waterfall is somehow going to be based on my performance. Uh Uh-oh, if I mess up, if I don't do something right, that water is going to suck its way back up to the top. It's going to stop because it's all based on me. I've got to jump through a hoop. I've got to do something. That's ridiculous. Nothing that I do or don't do, right, wrong, good, bad, or ugly, has any impact on this waterfall. This waterfall is going to flow. It's going to do its thing regardless of what I'm getting. we got to get this stuff straight. So pardon me for starting at the beginning, but I feel like when you know what that root is, what that obstacle is for each and every person, you got to tackle it. you got to ask God, what, what is going on? How can we get to the heart of this? So if I think, if I just substitute this waterfall, that's God's constant love. That's the picture of his constant love. It's still separate. I have nothing, no control over his constant love at all, right? Does it matter? I can jump up and down. I can do cartwheels, which I never could, by the way. I could do anything. I could, I could play flawlessly, or I could mess up unbelievably. I'd feel bad about it, but it's completely separate from this gushing waterfall love that God has for us. Your love, your constant love reaches the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to the skies. Your righteousness is towering like the mountains. Your justice is like the depths of the sea. And then in the message translation, and I love this, yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. That's the God we serve. In Psalm 51, 16 and 17, if I've got anybody that is perfectionistic, that is performance-based, here's your scripture. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. What? What am I knocking myself out for? 
I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. That's the God we serve. He is willing to help you. He is willing to dig down to the roots of whatever the problem is that's stopping you from believing that this is God's constant love. It doesn't matter what you do, who you are, whether you get things right one day or no. This is his constant love. That's awesome. Mason, you're up next. Can anybody tell that uh, Amy's been meditating on that, that she's been thinking about that? This wasn't just in her head. It was in her heart, wasn't it? She knew these things. All right, buddy. Yep. Hope you don't mind if I scoot your uh, MacBook over a bit. Gotta love this thing. Give me a second to get to where I need to be. So, when Kate asked me to share scriptures that affected me most, I didn't quite get them in my head immediately. It took me about, I didn't get these until this morning. So, but these two scriptures that I'm about to share with you have impacted my life in a lot of ways since they were revealed to me. And after I share these scriptures, I'm going to share a story that relates to them directly. So this first scripture is Psalm 66, verses 16 through 20. Come and hear all who fear God. The fear in this context meaning like respect or honor, like how a child would... Uh, fear their their dad or their mom. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> all right. Come and fear all who f- uh, come and hear all who fear God, and I will tell of what He has done for my soul. I cried to Him with my mouth, and He was extolled with my tongue. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear, but certainly. God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his loving kindness from me. Seeing as God took all unrighteousness out of me and threw it as far away from me as the east is from the west and filled me instead with his righteousness, I know that because of my righteousness, I am heard by God. And that is the foundation of my relationship with him. I know that I am heard by him. And the next scripture is a real popular one. It is, as soon as I get to it, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. In my translation, it reads, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So those are the scriptures that affected me most. And now for a little story. (laughs) So I was in my first year at working for Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers out by the Best Buy. And it was a closing night. I was, it was probably about 
9.30 at night. We were closing at 10 o'clock that night. And I just wanted to get my job done, go home, and get to sleep. So as I'm working during that last hour and a half and half hour going down to the wire, I start getting really, really frustrated with all of the people who are coming through the drive-thru because every time someone comes through the drive-thru, it takes me away from being able to clean out the lobby and the floors and the tables and the drink station. I can't get anything done because I am serving our guests at the drive-thru. And like I said, it just makes me, it made me really, really frustrated. So I started knowing that that frustration was just going to cause a lot of problems. I started going to God. I said, hey, God, I need you to calm me down. I can't do this. I just, I need you to help me relax. And this probably went on for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of me just in between customers, guests, as we called them then. I don't work there anymore. (laughs) Get out of my head. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) just over the course of that time, I was just getting more and more frustrated, and I kept going to God. God, help me out. Help me relax. I need to not be angry so I can focus correctly. I don't want to um, give off a poor impression of the people who are working at Freddy's, I need to be calm and focused so I can do my job correctly on both ends. And near the end of, like, definitely near the end of the night, I finally just get to a breaking point. I can feel myself beginning to crack under the pressure, and I just say straight up to God, God, if you do not do something, I am going to do something that I don't want to do. And immediately, I feel... Like, as cold as ice, but at the speed of warm honey, just from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet, just a wave of peace that, as it, as it says, was indescribable. I could not tell you, I have never been, nor do I think I ever could be again, that peaceful without God's intervention. For the next three hours, because that's how long it took to close, (laughs) I had been in a state of total peace. You could not have shaken me from that during those hours. It didn't start wearing off until right as I was finishing up. God gave me exactly enough peace, exactly as much as I needed, to get through from that point on straight through to the rest of the night. Without that, (laughs) I don't know what I would have done. Honestly, when I said that to God, uh, I was thinking more on the terms of vandalism. I'm not a very violent person, but (laughs) I probably would have broken some fry boxes in the back if if I had done, uh, if if God hadn't intervened. So (laughs) that was my story. Thanks, Mason. Darla, you're up next. That's a favorite of mine, too. Be anxious for nothing. I can't tell you how many times I've had to repeat that one before I got it. Thank you. So Kate had said, 
the the uh, scripture that speaks to you most, and so I'm so glad that everybody else is doing a multitude of scriptures because I couldn't narrow mine down to just one. So, um, mine is um, okay. My image of who I am in Christ. I'm going to start in Second Corinthians five twenty one, and I'm going to use the passion, uh, passion translation. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. So for me, my image of who I am starts here, because Jesus came, took our sin on the cross, and then when we, need, we accept him as Lord, he gives us his righteousness. And so that for me means that sin nature that I had that was keeping me apart, just like it kept Adam away from God, they could no longer walk in the cool of the day together. That was gone. So now I can walk with him in the cool of the day. I can be close to him because that sin nature, there's nothing in between us anymore. It's gone. Okay. Then in Hebrews 4.16 in the Amplified, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us, the sinners that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. So because of that righteousness that I now have, I can fearlessly, confidently, boldly approach his throne. So there's, there's nothing to keep you from getting near then. And then in Romans 8.15 For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship and the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. So my image of who I am in Christ is cleansed, righteous because of the blood of Jesus, nothing keeping me separated from him. (laughs) I'm his favorite, right? I'm his favorite. And so I picture um, that I can come boldly boldly to his throne and cry out, Abba, Father. So for me, it is when things are going rough, when I feel tired, even if I don't feel tired. You remember at the the end of the day when we would sit on the couch, Ethan used to crawl up into, into our laps and he would squish our face with both of his little hands. And he would say, I love you, Mama. I love you, Daddy. And that's what this does for me. That's what this scriptures, these three scriptures do. There's nothing keeping me from getting close to him. There's nothing keeping him from getting close to me. I can boldly, confidently enter that throne room. I can crawl up into his lap and tell him what's been going on in my day. And he can show me, he can give me that mercy, that grace to fix whatever needs to be fixed. But it also gives me that time to squeeze his little face and say, I love you. And it gives me the opportunity to love him back. Because when I can praise him and tell him how much I love him and what he means to me, it's just like, ah, my favorite daughter is here. What can I do for you? And it just, it's that reciprocal back and forth um, time where I have to, to praise him, to honor him, to delight in him, knowing that he delights in me as well, because I'm, I'm his favorite. <laughs> but the really cool part is, so are you. 
So when, whenever you go to your quiet spot, imagine yourself walking in that throne room. Just throw back the doors, walk right up there, and just sit with your father and tell him what's going on. Just like you would at the end of the day. So what happened today? How was school? How was work? What did you do today? And just commune with him that way because it's, it's, it's uh, I want to say free, but that's not the right word. But it's your, it's your, it's your right. Um, but just go love on him. And then he loves on you back. And do it confidently. Do it boldly. Don't let your regrets hold you back. Throw that off. And just, just go be honest with him and let him love on you. I've had that feeling before after our, our son died. I was feeling like punched in the gut, couldn't breathe. And I just crawled into his lap and I said, Daddy, this really hurts. And he says, I know, but I'll fix it. I'll make it better. And I could feel that, that Holy Spirit hug. Okay, so let him do that for you. Okay. Amen. Carrie, you're up next. How many of y'all are listening to her and be like, man, I want that. Well, you got to do what she did. Write those scriptures on your mirror. Darla, did you ever write, I'm God's favorite on your bathroom mirror? Well, yeah, I, there beg, you go. I beg to differ. I'm God's favorite. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of it's, it's kind of funny. See, Darla, my picture is on God's refrigerator. Uh, fa- favorite, you know, it's kind of funny. I'll go, I'll go up to my grandkids, all of them. How many know you love all your grandkids? Okay, but they all think they're my favorite. Because I'll go up to the oldest one, I'll say, hey, psst, come here. My whisper in her, did you know your hip hop's favorite oldest granddaughter? So, you know, they all know they're my favorite. They all think I am. Now, it, I haven't gotten in trouble yet because none of them has asked me in front of one of the other ones who's the favorite. I don't know what I'm going to do then. Uh, you know, it, it kind of takes me back because there was a point in my life where I didn't know that I was God's favorite. And when that time came, really started when my biological father died and I lost my identity. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I had no direction from a man in my life. I didn't know. And then God came along and showed me that he's a father to the fatherless. And when I saw that and I learned that, I thought, okay, if he's my dad, what do, what, what do I get for that? What's, what, what, what's included in that? I want, I, want, I want to know. So I started digging, and I found out. And it started getting in me because before that, I'd been told I was a slow learner. I'd been told that I was stupid. I had been told that I wasn't going to amount to anything. I had been told a lot of things. How many knows when the devil's whispering in your ear and you don't have something coming in the other, you start to believe it? Yeah? Amen? So when I started learning these things, it started rising up in me that I am not what people have told me am. I am. I am what God says I am. And when I started having children, I decided at that point, my kids are going to know who they are. So I would go into their room every night. I mean, every night. And I would start off with them. And my, my thing here for you guys today is more of a concept of really getting who you are in Christ. You've got to hear it. How do you hear it? You speak it. 
It's so important that you hear it because how's faith come? Here and and what? Amen. Right? So I'd go into their room and I'd open their door and I'd say, hey, repeat after me. And I want y'all to do this. I have the mind of Christ. I'm an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a winner, not a wiener. And then I'd always end, I'd, I'd, I'd end with two things. Um, I'd say, I have favor with God. I'm his favorite. Your hip balls a stud. I do that to my grandkids. I say, your, dad, your dad's a stud, and they'd smile. And, and, you know, the funny thing is my see, third daughter wrote a term paper in college, and this was for a big, big grade. And when I got it, I melted. I absolutely melted. Because she said, I'm so thankful that my dad drove into me and let me hear who I am in Christ. And she went through every one of those things that I would say. And I left off, y'all, this went on for like 15 minutes every night. I would just, I would just bombard them. And, you know, what it really made me realize is when you talk about favorite, you have favor. So pull up the scriptures real quick. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor, favor. How long? It's for life. Weeping may endure for night, but joy comes in the morning. How many know the story of Joseph? Think Joseph might have had just a little bit of favor? I mean, come on. He gets thrown in a pit. God moves him up. I mean, there's so many stories like that in the Bible, you guys. You know how much favor you have? Go to the next one. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a wicked man's intentions he will condemn. Go to the next one. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. I could go on and on. Let me give you two more real quick. I like this one. How many of y'all are married in here? He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Surely, in Psalms 5.12, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor and with a shield. The favor's like a shield. How many of you guys realize that I have favor? Do you really have that? I mean, it's funny because I, I, I see it all the time in my life. I'll go into Walmart to take something back. My wife will not go to Walmart to take something back. I go to Walmart, take something back, and I know I got favor. So I walk in, and the dude in front of me gets rejected. Sorry, you can't bring that back. Next one goes up. Sorry, we can only give you a gift card. I go up. Hi, how you doing today? I need to bring that back. Sure, no problem. Here you go. I have favor. Men's event, guns, dudes, and bows. I go into the restaurants and in businesses all over town. How many have been to the Guns, Dudes, and Bows event? I mean, I almost get tired of giving stuff away. I'll go into the business and say, hey, how you doing? I'm Carrie from No Limits. 
I'm the men's coach here, and I'd just love for you to be able to support the guns, dudes, and bows. What do you need? Oh, how about some free oil changes? Okay. How about free dinner for two? Okay. I have favor. The last example of that I want to give you is this. I started my profession in the regular uh, business industry, and I ended up in insurance. When I first went into insurance, I moved into a managerial position from Texas to Oklahoma. And when I came, there was an underwriter there that felt like he should have got my position. So I had opposition right out of the chute. Then I had continual opposition from him because he kept saying, he needs to do this, or he needs to do that, or why is he doing this? And I was like, God, this guy is giving me ulcers. He's wearing me out. But I have favor. I know I have favor. So what did he do? He showed me what to do. I had the leader of the company come in and mirror me for a week. I said, I'm wanting to learn. Can you come in and do that for me? Sure. Spent a week with me. Afterwards, he looked at my boss and he said, He's awesome. She never gave me a hard time after that. And you want to know what else happened? That guy was shown to be stealing from the company. I got a fax on the fax machine that came in. He was underwriting to other places when he was supposed to be underwriting for the company we were at. I had favor. It was shown. Did I get it right away? No. Did Joseph get it right away? No. You see where I'm saying? You have favor. Joy comes in the morning. Amen? That's all I got. Thanks, man. That's good. You can mute this one now. We're done with it. Did that help anybody? Good. All right. Funny thing is, I wanted to share one too, and it's about the righteousness of God. That was the one that impacted me the most. Second Corinthians five twenty one, and that's the one Darla shared too. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, man, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. This was trans- transformational for me because no longer am I identified by my sin and the things that I've done in my past, but I'm identified by the righteousness of God. Like he gave that to me as a gift and that's who I am. And one of the many benefits of righteousness you find in Psalms 512, and it says in the amplified for you, Darla, for you, Lord will bless the uncompromisingly righteous him who is upright and in right standing with you as with a shield, you will surround him with goodwill, pleasure and favor. And you can claim that scripture because you are upright and in right standing with him because of who you are in Christ. You don't have to earn that. That's just who you are. So you get pleasure and you get favor. And that's awesome. Another one that's impacted me lately is in Matthew 5 verse 11. Anybody seen The Chosen? Have you guys watched the last episode of season two yet? Man, we finally got to watch that. It's really hard for us to watch things at my house because we have a lot of small kids. They wear us out. By the time they're all in bed, we just got to go to bed. You know, we just can't watch anything. We finally got to watch it. And it's going through the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And it's showing each disciple that he had in mind whenever he wrote that. And man, it really impacted me because the last one is, Blessed are you when they 
revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. People have been saying some evil things about me already. And so whenever I heard that, that is like, that is, that just hit me. I'm like, great is my reward in heaven because these evil things are being said about me for hit because of him. <laughs> That's awesome. Great is my reward in heavens. Bring it on. Bring it on. You know, when this all started though, I did have to overcome some fear. Because I don't know if you remember last year, the, the Black Lives Matter thing that was going on and all that racial stuff, it was really intimidating. Like if you said something contrary to what they were trying to put out, people would come attack you. Uh, they would say mean things to you. They'd kind of threaten your family. I mean, there's all this stuff. And I started speaking out against it because I felt like I needed to. But then I'd go to bed at night and I'd wonder, like, have I done something to cause my family harm? Like, is somebody going to come harm my family now because what I've said and what I've put out there? And so I had to go on a journey of finding out about God's protection, about his protection. And, you know, it says in Psalm 121, verse 7, it says, The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. So now it's settled. I have no fear because he's watching over me. And there's scripture after scripture after scripture. When you start digging into God's protection, you're like, wow, I am protected. I am. That's who I am. I am protected by God. He's watching over me. He put a covering over me. He's watching over my family. And he's watching over you guys, too. Because whenever I got this understanding about the covering that's over my life, I'm like, God, can I extend that covering out over my church, too? And he's like, yeah, you can. So I just claim it over all you guys, a covering, God's covering of protection. You receive it? Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's what we got. Now it's your all's turn. You got to go search the scriptures. Find out who you are to God. Write it on your mirror. Meditate on it. Say it out loud. You may sound like, it may feel like you're crazy at first. You're like, I'm saying things that I don't even believe. And then eventually it settles down in. You're like, I got this. I got this. Amen. All right, y'all. Well, we have small groups kicking off next week. Did y'all miss them? We've had a month off. I know the kids are probably most excited because that means they get to start class next week too. Chris, did you have anything to to say about the small groups? So I'm going to have Chris come up real quick. He'll tell you all what's going on with small groups this semester. I'm excited. All right. Well, as Pastor Kate said, small groups do kick off next week. Uh, It's going to be an awesome semester because they're all always awesome. But uh, Mark and Gina are keeping the Sunday morning small group going. Uh, Amy is actually doing a group that I'm kind of excited about because she calls it Acts 29. And if you guys know, there's only 28 chapters in the book of Acts, so she's expecting some amazing things to happen, and I'm, I'm ready to hear the testimonies that come out of that group, because it's going to be awesome. Uh, we also have the youth, of course, going. Pastors Kate and Beth are, are teaching the youth, raising our youth up. Uh, we're going to have a Zoom one. We always like to have that Zoom one. In case you're watching us online, if you just physically can't get out of the house, or maybe you're just somewhere else around the globe and you're, you're keeping track with us, we want to include you in a small group, too, so you can join the Zoom group and... Uh, yeah, fellowship there. But this semester, we are starting something new, and these are culture impact teams. Now, these culture impact teams are going to do exactly what the, the name implies. We're going to go out and impact our culture, okay? Uh, there are what they call seven mountains of influence that Christians are called out into the world to, uh, to change that influence. And we're going to focus on three of them. And right now we're focusing on education, 
business, and government. See, the kingdom of God is enormous. It goes beyond church and family. It goes out into the, all the world because the word is very clear that we are not of the world, but we are called into the world. And not only are we called into the world, we're called to disciple nations. How do you disciple a nation? Well, you got to go get involved and you got to make an influence. So that's why I'm building these teams to impact these, these uh, different areas of influence. Because if you think about it, you know, the Israelites, they only had one tribe that was called to be in the priesthood. But everybody, everybody was God's chosen people. The whole nation of Israel was God's chosen people. It's the same for us. We're not all called to be pastors, but God has an anointed call on each and every person in here, and it may not just be pastor. <laughs> you might be called to business. In fact, you might, be, you might be called to be an evangelist and into business, and your uh, evangelistic field is actually in the business world because you're going to have a lot of different influence there. In fact, this is why I also believe that there's plenty of people in here, people in the whole body of Christ that have been called either to politics or to business, and they didn't follow their calling because it didn't fit the mainstream Christianity's idea of ministry, and it has actually hurt the body of Christ. And so we don't want to do that here. We want to get you involved. We want you to find your place in the body of Christ, and that's why we have these culture impact teams. So these teams, there are you can see them on the back of the small group handout. Uh, you can get one when you leave. We have all the small groups and the cultural impact teams are on the back. There are no dates and times on those yet because I want to get the teams formed first. Because if you're interested, I just want you to sign up for the group and then dates and times can be figured out after that. Uh, so this is going to kick off next Sunday when small groups kicks off. I'm going to do the first Sunday morning. I'm kind of t- hijacking Mark and Gina's group because I, I just want a big crowd. <laughs> I need a big crowd so people can hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to teach on the seven, the whole seven mountains of influence. And then we're going to break out into those three different ones, the education, the business, and the, edu- and the government, because I want you to just get a little more information on those, and then the teams will be created. So next Sunday, even if you don't join that small group, I want you to please be there, 945, next Sunday morning. We'll go over the seven mountains, and you can pick your cultural impact team so we can be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. And we can go impact the culture and make a change for Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. So, yeah, kiddos be here at 945 next week, too. Parents who have small kids, bring your kids because our teachers put in a lot of effort into those classes. You teachers are awesome. I just love seeing what goes on in there. So let's just show them our support by getting our kids up early and getting them to church. I know it's hard. I got four of them myself, and it's hard to get them here that early, but it's worth it. They've been asking me for the last four weeks, is it time for class yet? One more week, one more week. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're excited too. All right, I want to give you guys an opportunity to give before we go today. If you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. If you're giving online, just visit nolimits.fyi. Type that into your address bar. There's a giving button there. It'll get you where you need to go. That's also where you go to sign up for small groups. So if you're online and wanting to sign up for that Zoom group, just go to nolimits.fyi and it'll get you there as well. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.